Bonjour, everyone. I wanted to add a footnote to today's episode because I really never explained why it was that I wished to interview Lana on my podcast. It's not simply that she speaks French and English. It's that we met during a time when a lot of people were feeling very frustrated and sad and lonely in a very exclusive French literature online group. Lana led the way with her sunshine and warmth and shared what we all did, which was pure joy in reading the French language, thinking about it, talking about it. And she became the person in our group who always suggested not just the next book we might read, but a stack of 20 books and which which of the formats was the most pleasant to read, which one we could find in, in which place online. She brought a lot to that group. She still does. But the first time that Lana read me one of her poems, it was after the group had finished and I asked her about what she wrote. We were both writers and I wanted to hear more. And she offered to read me a poem. It just left me breathless. And since that time, I've read a lot of her poetry. She is generous in sharing her poems. When when requested, um, she's just been a lovely, genuine, talented person. And I am so honored that she said yes to being here today. Bonjour and welcome to French Please, the podcast. We believe a language is best learned through conversation between friends or family members. Each episode, your hosts, Angela and Thierry Chenu, share ways to make your home a place where French language and culture from around the world are incorporated into your day, the fun, fast, and easy way. In today's episode of French Please, the podcast, we have the incredible Lana March, poet, photographer, and artist. Lana considers herself an artist of the word in two languages. Photography is an important part of Lana's life, but writing has always been crucial. These two gifts have shared her heart ever since the beginning and will walk with her until the end. The written word accompanies the image, one acting as the frame, the other as the message. Her lens and her pen will work at capturing the waves of happiness and sadness as they faithfully accompany her in her daily life. She entered life with words on the tip of her tongue. They waited patiently until she could express them. For years, she was attentively listening and memorizing all the different aspects of the words she was discovering. It was a game of patience, she says, until she was able to become one with the pen and convey the message. This message unveils the one lacking ingredient of the first decades of her life, love. Lana has two books, Promenade and The Best of Love, and neither book is bound, nor is the author. This format provides the reader with options of either framing individual leaflets or giving them as gifts. You can find Lana and her work on Facebook at Lana March. Welcome, Lana. I am so pleased to have you here today. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Of course. Hey, let's start out speaking about, you know, this is a podcast about French about language. So what languages do you speak or have you studied or would you like to speak? Okay, so I have studied English from uh, the very early age of six. Um, and I still am a student of both English and French. I am getting back to Italian. I know Spanish and I have a basis of Latin. So how in the world, were you in a special sort of Montessori school? How is it that you studied 
English when you were six years old? I studied by myself. Um, when I was six, I heard a voice telling me that I had to learn English and I did not tell anybody um, about this voice. And I started uh, listening to the BBC. I started to BBC One and BBC Two in Paris. And I started to um, discover stories in French and I would read them in English. And I would do the same with books and movies. At the age of six. Yes. That's, that is pretty incredible. Wow. And then did you, did you eventually continue in school? How did that? Um, when I was in sixth grade, I, I took English, of course. And my professor, Monsieur Delahaye, was my French and English teacher and came to visit my dad at the shop that we had at the time and asked my father where I came from, really, because he didn't, he didn't understand that I could speak English at the level that I was at already since we were all starters and um, was really uh, mesmerized by the ability that I had uh, to manage this language that was supposed to be a foreign one. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's quite a story. Well, since that time, can you tell us about, are there any places you discovered via travel or literature, favorite books, because you had English or one of your other languages too? When I was 24, I decided to go as far as I could go, and I went to Australia, and that was my first um, adventure, like great adventure. Uh, I had been to England several times. I found the English people um, a little bit dry in their humor, uh, even though they're really nice people. Um, but of course, the food is bland and the people we cannot drive. But, but I, I loved England because of the architecture and everything um, that has literature in it um, with Jane Austen and all kinds of different people whose home I visited because I was interested in the places where artists and writers and painters dwelled in. Uh, to me, it was very important for me to catch these waves, these creative waves of um, the places that they lived in. Yes, I, I call it atmosphere, ambiance, but I, I feel what you're talking about. So you've got literature and travel. Australia, what, what took you to Australia? I'm just pursuing this because I'm curious. Uh, it was the furthest I could go since I had a really... <laughs> um, um, bad experiences in France, I went as far as I could go so that nobody could follow me there. Mm. So, so I ended up in Brisbane, Australia, which was 38 hours of flight at the time. And I uh, knew no one there, but I, um, I pretty much created a life from zero, just like I created my colors on a painting. Incredible. Did you discover new, of course, this is going to tie in with another question that we, that we might speak of, but did you discover new colors in your travels or new words for colors in the languages that you learned? I think I, it, languages are more to me um, like a symphony. Um, they dance and they, um, they're more like a, a symphony really um, it's a it's very interesting to see um, or to hear uh, what they say because of the musical support that they uh, rest upon Wow you truly have a poet's outlook on on language and colors that's that's pretty incredible well my, my favorite color and I have a lot of uh, glasses that are uh, blue um, I, I used to, um, when I was really depressed as a little girl, I would ask God to give me just a little spot of blue in the sky when it was all gray. And that blue would give me hope for the day. And so um, there was a lot of blue influences. Even though we say I'm blue when we're depressed, the blue in the sky was my hope. And so blue is more um, the color of my thoughts. Oh, beautiful. All right. And blue, same in French, bleu? Bleu, yeah. Okay. So the this, this same one stayed the same for you in, in both? Yes. How about travel? Did travel influence your, your sense of color, your, your 
view as an artist or as a photographer? Okay, so while traveling, I really notice the different lights. The lighting, just like in a movie, the lighting is very important to me. Um, in the movie, I will, I, will, I will notice the lighting and the soundtrack before I notice the actors. Um, to me, they're, um, they're support for the story that is very important. Um, I, it's very, very often that I will look at the composer of a certain music uh, belonging to a certain film. Um, I remember there was a French movie that was called Le Professionnel uh, with Jean-Paul Belmondo. And there is uh, a soundtrack on there that's called Chimai uh, that is uh, composed by Ennio Morricone. And I have never, never forgotten that uh, that soundtrack. And every time I hear it, I get, have goosebumps. So um, the lighting and the music are something that I will notice before anything else. And if somebody, if I meet somebody and they speak to me in a monotone manner, I will not be attracted to them. Interesting. So the rhythm and the musicality of the language is very important to you as well. Yes, absolutely. And, okay, and I suppose as a poet, that, that just makes perfect sense. It yeah, does. There, there are movies that I can't stand because of the lighting. So I, Alien, I just, all of those, they're so dark. I don't like to watch them. No, no, because you have to find your way. And then, you know, it's very um, easy for me to compare that to my writing because most of my writing has light in it. Um, I will not read or watch anything that's dark. Um, it's not really where I dwell, and I refuse to dwell there. So um, consequently, I, I will look for the light, and I want to send that light with my words and with everything that I do, with my artwork. Everything is filled with light. Excellent. What's the best place in the world for light? I would say the south of France. Uh, if you study how the Cannes Festival, the movie festival, has actually um, chosen Cannes for, um, for this festival, it's because of the lighting. Um, the light in Cannes is very different. And at some point, all the film producers would go down to Cannes to um, film. And when I am in Cannes, and my father used to live there, um, when I am in Cannes, I really see that the light is different uh, from uh, any other place. Now, if I just go a little bit further to Monaco and Italy, it's the same light. Um, so I've never been to Alaska, but I, I, it's, one of, it's on my bucket list because I would love to go and see the northern lights, and I would like to see... Also, I want to go there in the summer because I don't want to go there when there's too much darkness, but um, the lighting is different everywhere you go. Yes. So lighting, words, color. How about professionally or professionally or, maybe, or perhaps volunteer? What's, has there ever been a job you were offered or you created for yourself because of your proficiency, let's say, in English? Uh, so I teach English. Uh, when I was in France, I used to teach English. Now that I'm here, I still teach English to French students, and I also teach French. Um, the reason why I am um, very prolific in that is because I was self-taught. And so I know how hard it is to acquire a language. And I am um, very patient. I am not critical. And I, um, it's very seldom, I will never make fun of my students. I'm always walking, walking with them at their level. And, um, and when I was in, in Paris, uh, I worked for 10 years in Paris. And uh, my voice and the way I expressed myself were on answering uh, devices for the longest time because of the, the, the way my voice carries on the radio. Um, and uh, on the phone. So I would, uh, a lot of my, like I had a lot of voice messages recorded in all the companies that I work for. Oh, lovely. I can see why, yes. Was it always in English or was it in French? Both languages. Okay, I, I do find, I find my voice working differently in, in one language as opposed to the other. Yeah, Is because it's a different symphony, yes. It's a different symphony. Oh, love the language. Love the comparisons. 
And when you went to Australia, was that something, was that an opportunity that you were able to take because you spoke English? Yes. Um, I was adamant that I had to go somewhere where English was spoken because at the time I was, well, I probably knew about a third of what I know today. And um, if you talk to me in 30 years from now, which I hope I'll be alive, I'll probably know 30% more of what I know today because I never stopped learning. Um, had I not been um, fluent enough in English, I would have never chosen Australia. Okay, so you wouldn't have gone just to see what might happen when you get there? No. I, okay. needed, I needed an arsenal of um, weapons um, to be able to make a life there. And I feel like if you go to a country without language, it's, it's a deception. Mm -hmm. How about opportunities with French? Because I know that you still study French and you still make literature a part of your day and a part of your world in both languages. Is that right? Yes. Um, actually, like about 10 years ago, I was offered to go work for United uh, Airlines. And uh, what kept me from making that decision is because I was never going to be home. And I didn't want to do that to my children. And also, there was um, a language um, firm that wanted to hire me. And at the time, and that was quite a while ago, at the time, they were willing to pay me $4,000 a month. Um, to uh, teach online and teach, um, you know, English and French. And it was, a, it was a French firm that wanted to hire me. I'm really glad you bring up professional opportunities and career opportunities. It seems to be a lot of times people believe that the humanities, so it could be art, music, languages, aren't really a place that you can make a decent living. I would beg to differ, and thank you for offering that example. That's... That, that is the truth. You yeah, it is. It's absolutely, and languages are crucial for professionalism. I think that if you don't have a language, you know, I mean, if you speak just one, uh, it, you, I don't think you'll be hired unless, you know, even in, in, uh, in Paris, it is, um, most of the time it is uh, required that you speak English uh, to be in the business world. Yes, that's yeah. true. Mm -hmm. I have I have been hired for a number of, oh, I guess I can't reveal much about them, let's say patent disputes, uh, to be the interpreter because someone was arriving from Paris. Well, nobody thus far has actually needed me to be the interpreter for them, so they've been, they've been great gigs, but um, <laughs> I, see, I see what you mean by that, by the yeah. requirement of the language, yeah. Mm -hmm. How about the rest of your life? Can you tell us what aspect of your life might have been changed the most from having no might not necessarily be english but a second or a third language that that brought you somewhere that changed things for you i think that everything is a language so the languages themselves are languages but there's also the language of words um on the page the language of colors the language of music those are all languages and i think that um they each have a part in my brain, and the more the more I speak, the more I know, and the more I know, the more I speak. So everything is pretty much uh, hand in hand. Um, I I I believe music is also a language. I think dance is a language. I love to dance. Um, there are so many different things that are foreign to a lot of people. I know my husband is does not know languages and he's unable to retain anything and he does not have rhythm, he does not dance. And I feel like if your musical languages are more friendly to you than if you're not. So I think that everything is linked and everything is a language. It sounds like your your dog would like us to know that he or she has a real language as well. Yeah. They sure do. <laughs> and they communicate a lot. <laughs> yes, agreed. Yeah. <laughs> through, through barking or begging or, or other means, yes. Yeah, they, I close the door so they're not happy. Oh, poor pups. I'm in my <laughs> studio and so they can't come in, so. Uh -huh. How come I we can't see mommy? <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let's say you, so you've been in the United States for a while. Have you have you made a second life here? How is that? 
Oh, yes, absolutely. I mean, my life is here, uh, but I haven't uh, abandoned my French life. Um, there was um, 16 years of absence um, before I went back to France uh, to erase all the bad memories and to create Paris, to recreate Paris in my mind, my heart, and my soul as the dream that I wanted Paris to be. So during the 16 years that I got acquainted with my American life, uh, I got married. I have two grown sons. Um, I went back to France with them uh, as children. They were 9 and 11 at the time. And um, we built everything on a, on a note of hope, uh, which I didn't have when I left. So my life in, in the States has helped me to rebuild the French life in the way that I intended it to be without the people that hurt me. Yeah. So, so it is your opinion that we as humans can recreate something and improve our lives in ways that don't have a basis on what happened before, but on we, what we decide is going to happen next. Right. So the, a lot of it has to do with forgiveness. And I just I describe forgiveness as giving before. And the forgiveness is not always for the recipient. It's for the one that originates the forgiveness because it makes room for everything else. Uh, my father never forgave um, the, the people that hurt him and took his unforgiveness to his grave. And I saw a sad man pretty much all my life and very angry man. I refuse to be angry and I want to be a loving person. So the forgiveness is pretty much the eraser that you use to erase the painting that you did not like. And it allows you to recreate the painting that you want it to be. Okay, with fresh colors, with fresh yes. words, with new music, a new soundtrack. Everything, everything okay. new, everything new, absolutely. And I, I really believe that, um, in, you know, in the ancient days, you know, how they, they didn't have uh, enough money to buy a canvas so that we'd paint over and over. And sometimes, you know, the, the painting on top would be more valuable than the paintings um underneath but sometimes it was the other way around the thing is well, before you erase something make sure that you're clear in your mind that this is something that you don't want to have anymore and to rebuild anew so that the first brick that you put on there which might be just the first word to a poetry or the first color to a painting is the one that you desire the most excellent and going to let that be and just let it soak in because it's so beautiful that I there's nothing else I can add <laughs> I think I think we are we are always rebuilding somewhat but then sometimes some colors are stronger than others underneath on that canvas and they kind of pop back up yes so the pigment's important it is okay. just like salt and pepper on a good dish uh-huh so speaking of good food, we did we talked a little bit earlier, and um, I I liked your take on this. If there was a habit or a place or a custom or an idea that you could import from France and magically make all Americans appreciate, adopt, and henceforth be happier because of it, what would you choose? So I would choose two things. I would choose fashion and culinary art. Go ahead and expound on that, if you would, please. I think that um, Coco Chanel used to say, less is more. And I think that in a lot of ways, it is true that less is more. Simplistic fashion is more comfortable to start with, and it's it's more beautiful. And I think that in the line of culinary art, it is the same. I think that when we eat too much, we don't appreciate what we're eating. And when we eat less and in a slower manner, it's more beneficial to our body and to our mind. I think we're more likely to notice what we are eating 
And I think that fashion is about the same way. The, the question was, I think Coco Chanel said, whatever the last thing you put on before you walk out the door, take that off, you know, extra scarf, extra whatever. And someone said, well, what if it was your skirt? <laughs> so, yeah, yes, but yes, I do see your point. How does that, how does that translate? So in fashion, a little more elegance, a little less gaudiness. How could, how would you say? I think that? in the simple, you know, it's like a string of pearl. You know, a string of pearls is a string of pearls. If you put like three or four of them, that might be three too many. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think that you know, it's the same thing when I write. I never want my style to be heavy, and um, and photography is the same way. Uh, when I when I photograph, I will crop before I shoot instead of cropping afterwards. And um, when I write, I want my point to be made clearly from the start. I don't want to um, to go around the main subject and um, and say too much. I want my point to me to be made clear from the start so that I, I don't lose the reader in you know one paragraph. And I think it's the same with fashion. It's the same with culinary art. I think the less is better. So what is different about French cuisine that you can point to right away and, and help us understand it? I think that French cuisine is not rich like Mexican or American cuisine. I think it's a lot easier to digest. Um, there are a lot of, um, the, like the pastries are not sweet like they are here. I know that I've had tarts here, fruit tarts, that have, if you take the fruit off the, the, the tart, you're better off than to eat the cream that's under because it's <laughs> so, so rich. Um, okay. Yeah, so, um, and I'm very, very sensitive um, when it comes to anything with my stomach and I need to travel light with everything I do, with the photography, with the art, with the uh, written word and with the food. Everything has to be light. So I'm not like slowed down in my step. I move at the speed that I want to move at and I am moving in a free manner. Do, do I make myself clear? Yes. Yes, so there's the lightness. You would lighten the American load. How about the elegance? The elegance of food. The elegance of food, I mean, you know, I mean, I've been, I'm sorry, but I've been to some restaurants where there was so much food in my plate that I couldn't even touch it because it was way too much. Um, uh, I, I think it. We need to reduce the portions. I really do. I think that even I have a friend who came here from France and he was from Brittany and he opened a pastry shop and he had to triple the size of his pastries because American people would not buy them because they were too small. Oh, very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not, it's not even me that's saying this, you know, that I, I have, I've heard it from a lot of people. You know, I think that, and you know how the French people eat like a big, bigger lunch. And if they eat a big dinner, they will not go to bed like for three or four hours afterwards. But here people eat a lot at night and they go straight to bed. And I think that's, it can be very detrimental to your health. Yes. Well, we, we do like a bargain. So if you're going to buy a donut, you know, a dozen's better than two. Yeah, but you and, don't have uh, to eat the 12 in one day. <laughs> oh okay i'll have i'll have to remember that i will <laughs> keep that in mind <laughs> my husband will will eat more than what he needs and, and you know i'm like you know tomorrow is still here yeah but tomorrow it might not be as good as today and i'm like maybe you won't be as good as today tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> yes so that would be the french what what if you let's say you moved back to France tomorrow for some, for any reason, doesn't matter the reason, what would you take with you? Well, if my husband agrees, I would take him. Oh, that, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that uh, I have worked um, in my life to be able to have my, my 
creativity within my world is within me and because i was in a lot of different situations where uh, that were um violent i i pretty much wanted to be self-sufficient uh in some way so every everything that i have created i can carry within me so i wouldn't need much to take back because everything i've learned to do and i know to do i have um so i would take whatever i need clothes wise and of course i can find clothes over there so you know in the best of situations i would love to leave my house the way it is to my children and start anew okay yeah are, are there any are there any american perceptions or habits or mindsets that that you particularly appreciated well, I would think it would have to do more with the Christianity aspect of my life because I became a Christian uh, in the English language and mostly in Australia and America. So I think that would be, it would be something that is totally different from the French way to do things. Yes, that's a tough one. I, I had friends who were missionaries in France and American friends gosh, they had a tough time. They do. And uh, I think that um, being, being a, a Christian here, it's another language. Yeah. It's, it's another, it's another worldview and another, another approach to life. And it's yeah. definitely more part of our culture than, than in France, where 99% of the country, I think is still a professed Catholic or Christian of some sort, but yeah, but if they go to, to church Christmas and New Year's and Easter, that's pretty much where it stops. Oh no, we the French still go to church to get married and for baptism. Uh, and for most, of my, most of my friends got married in the, at the city hall, they didn't get married in church. Oh, see, I was my French family's in the south of France. Yeah, yeah, it's different there. But um, you know, I mean, I have I have photographs some weddings in France and in Belgium that were at the church, but they still had the city hall part of it is what counts. Uh, the church is just a ceremonial, but the the paperwork and everything. Here you can get married at the church only. You don't have to go. You get your marriage license at the at the courthouse. But your main ceremony is at the church over there. It's actually what, what you do at the city hall level that counts, not the church. Oh, oui, mon ami. I was married in France. You know, I know. <laughs> the, the years of paperwork it took to be able to, uh -huh. to actually be officially married. It was crazy. Yes, yes I'm sure. I'm sure it was. Just, just easier to live in sin in France, actually. Okay, I didn't say that. <laughs> How about, a, I have a question about the riches and by the riches, I mean, all of the beautiful things that having French in your life brings to you. It could be once in a blue moon. It could be once a month. What are, what are things that make your life richer because, because you're French or because of the French language? Music. Ah, music. Yes. So I have a whole slew of artists that I follow, whose career I follow. Uh, Michel Legrand has been one of my main composers. Uh, he uh, composed uh, music for Yentl uh, with Barbara Streisand. Uh, he has a lot of music um, soundtracks uh, for different movies in the States. Uh, he was living in New York for a long time. I actually uh, was fortunate enough to see him at L'Olympia in Paris uh, not too long ago before he passed away. Charles Aznavour I have seen on the stage 14 times or more. Um, he, has, um, he has been such a huge part of my life. Um, there are so many different French artists who I just um, adore. And uh, they are the, in the core of my soul. They are nestled in there and they'll never get out. Um, it's, it's, 
French music is, is to me and the French artists. And when you see them, when I watch Garou and Daniel Lavoie and Lara Fabian, Pascal Obispo, Florent Pagny, all these wonderful Moran, um, even the new ones, Julien Doré, I have Julien Claire. I mean, I can, I can darken pages and pages of names. And uh, French music is, is, is just wonderful to me. I just, it's surrounded me. Um, I used to, when I was little, I used to be glued to the radio. I thought little people lived in there and I wanted them to come out because I was totally mesmerized by the voices that came out of there. And I, I've, I love Louis Armstrong. I, you know, I, any, anything that has to do with music, I just love. And I think that my French culture is pretty much nestled in music. And, you know, before even the, the books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, literature came later. But music, uh, when I came to live with my dad, because I was in an orphanage for three years, and then I came to live with my dad after that, um, music was it. I just loved music and I can name all the songs that cradled me and gave me hope. Was there music in the orphanage? No. So that came later. There was nothing in the orphanage. You know, I don't remember much of it, but the thing is I wasn't taken care of. I was malnourished. And I, when my father came to pick me up, when he finally, I was able to, I couldn't even walk. Uh, I was, my head was hanging. I wasn't taken care of, so that there's nothing um, that was there. Uh, but I survived it, so it's good. It's a good thing. Mm-hmm. And I know that your poetry is both in French and in English. Would you link poetry to music? Is that is is writing? Separate? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of uh, musicality in my poetry. A lot. And actually, I'm recording uh, with a French uh, musician. Uh, we're putting words on his music. When he sends me music, I put words on there. He sends, I send him words, he puts music on my words. So we are um, working, of course, with COVID and everything, it's taken a while, but I uh, was supposed to record in a church actually in September, but we reported it to next April. And hopefully we can do it then. I hope so too, I can't wait. So it'll be all French? Uh, actually, there is some English in there. There's like three pieces in English. Oh, very neat. We're going to hear one of your pieces that's in both languages in a little while. Mm-hmm. So I, I love that you can write and maneuver both languages. I don't always have that confidence. If I write something in French, I I feel like I have to have it spell checked and someone else check it first to, you know, to make sure. But I do love to write in French as well. Mm-hmm. Excellent that you have that the talent to do both and do it well. Mm. I, I love to write. And when I do something uh, in, in French and I redo it in English, I know what I'm going to say. So I don't have to translate. I just rewrite it. And I think it's a lot of uh, the issue with movies that have been translated. Um, most of, I, I cringe at a lot of the uh, choices of words that are uh, chosen in some different French expressions that are not at all. Uh, what they are in the subtitles, and I it it really infuriates me. <laughs> yes, as someone of language, I feel the same way. I just I have such a hard time. I really try to watch movies in their original language because, or if we pop up the subtitles, I I have small mini fits in my corner, and my children won't watch movies with me with subtitles if I know the other language. So. Yeah, I know it's it's very. I, I think, and a lot of the time when it's dubbed, it's even worse. Uh, I have learned uh, that the people who do the dubbing are people that I did not see the movie. They are just reading the script, and yeah. uh, so therefore they're not in the scene itself, and there are there's such a lack of emotion. Yes. And the, the more we produce, the, the faster the dubbing gets done. Yeah. Topic for another day. All right. Um, I, as a professional, I just, I, nope. Um, you know, as, as someone who had what sounds like a very difficult childhood, I was going to ask you for advice on languages for parents and language learning for parents, but your approach of having love at the center of your life 
maybe you have different advice that has nothing to do with languages, or maybe you'd like to incorporate languages well, as well. You know, I was going. I, I, you know, when I when I raised my children, a lot of people told me that I made a mistake in not teaching them French, uh, which in an emotional manner I was unable to do, because of the abuse uh, that I was under with that language. But to me, it was more important to teach them the language of love than to teach them any other language. Um, it and both my my sons are very much rooted in love. I thought it was much more important to do that than to teach them French. Um, and they were, not, they were not really interested in learning French. The other thing, the reason why I did not teach my, my, my children French is because Daniel, my husband, was unable to learn it. And I felt like it was going to create a barrier between the children and me and Daniel on the other side. I, I thought I, I didn't want to do this because it would separate us. And... Um, because he's absolutely unable to learn languages. Um, so I didn't want him to be on the outside of our family. And I felt like it, it was better not to. So you put family first, you put love first, and, and languages came later. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's like a sound, sound body of principles to, to operate from. Yes. Um, and now as a teacher of languages, what... What advice as a teacher, from teacher to teacher or teacher to student, what would you offer? What would you, what would you be your words of wisdom? I tell a lot of my students to listen to music. Um, when I was little, I listened to the Beach Boys, the Bee Gees, the Beatles, all my bees, I called them. Um, I wanted, even though I couldn't understand everything they were saying, I would... Um, listen to the words and reproduce them and i think that when you listen to music you relax and when you relax you're more um, unable to receive the sounds um, music makes it e easier to learn a language and uh, i come across some of the students high school students that um, i taught and they still remember the songs we learned after all these years. And I think that when you, you can listen to any artist and if you listen, and of course I always advise them to listen to the, to the artists that pronounce well, you know, with Charles Aznavour is one of them. He was very, very good in pronunciation. And um, if you know a song and the thing is now you have, you have um, like templates, you can, have the lyrics in French and underneath it tells you how you can, you know, click on that and, you know, it will translate it in the language of your choice. So, but you will still have the language in French. And I think that uh, the, one of the books that I uh, have always introduced uh, my uh, students to is The Little Prince, Le Petit Prince. And if you take this book and read it in French, discover the story and then switch to whatever language you want to learn, I think it's a good way to do it. And I think uh, songs are a very, very good um, conduit for the knowledge of languages. I agree. It's so much easier to memorize something when it's been set to music or has a rhythm to it. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, like the ABCs, you know, we have the same thing in English, we have the same song in French. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Although the, the ABCs are perhaps not the easiest thing to, if you're teaching a child to read in one language or another, I kind of like the phonics approach to what that, what that letter might sound like. Not easy in English though, since an A might sound about five, six different ways. Yes, absolutely. But, um, <laughs> yeah. but it is the same song. You're right. Yeah, it is. <laughs> that might be the only one besides You Are My Sunshine that has the same the same music to the same words. Well, you know, there's um, <laughs> that 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 same tune is used in a you know um, uh, in a lot of different songs. You know, like Baba Black Sheep, and then there's the Little Star, whatever. You know, all those are the same tune, like A B C D E F G, and then the, you you have that same tune again and again. It looks like whenever that you know whenever that tune came out, they were out of tune, so they used it for several things. <laughs> If I'm not mistaken, it's it's Mozart. Is it Mozart? Uh, night sky. 
gosh, I'll have to erase that too if I'm wrong. But yes, I believe so. <laughs> I won't. I'll own up to my mistakes. Amadeus yes. did it for us. Amadeus, yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we marked my life as well. Would you? Would you be so kind as to read your poem to us? Your poem, maybe. Mm-hmm. That is a poem in both French and English. Right. It. I mixed the two. Uh, you know, I always say I. When you say the expression, I mix and match. Mm-hmm. Well, I I mix and match match the expression, and I go to match and mix. <laughs> so love it. <laughs> that's that's that is something that um isn't talkie walkie walkie or walkie talkie is a talkie walkie in French. Walkie talkie walkie. Uh, well, you know, fire trucks and fire trucks. <laughs> <laughs> all right. If we go down that rabbit hole, I guess we'll be here all day. <laughs> okay, so maybe. Peut-être était-ce toi, derrière ce paisible minois jonché de ses yeux si bleus dans mon objectif un vœu maybe maybe it was you maybe it was me maybe the future holds a true surprise in this story deux âmes se promènent dans l'espace deux seuls perdus dans ce rêve dans ce rêve inconnu que bien plus tard nous avons reçu une symphonie que nous avons vécu. Maybe it was you. Maybe it was me. Maybe the future held a true surprise in this story. Des yeux se croisent tous les jours. Des milliers de regards se perdent. Si tu regardes aux alentours, discrètement, ils espèrent. Maybe one day I will see that it was you. And it was me. Maybe we found the story lost in eternity. Maybe. Maybe. Une histoire qui se promène, elle passe, elle nous entraîne. Il fallait que ce soit toi. Il fallait que ce soit moi. Maybe. Simply, maybe. Merci. I see why your voice was left on many, many answering machines for many years. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I th a lot of my friends tell me that when I write something, if I record it, it's a totally different dimension. It does. It, bring, it brings out so much more. I read the poem, and hearing you read it, Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Are there any, is there anything that we haven't covered that we said we might talk about? Any other words you'd like to tell us about? Languages, French, France, Australia, literature, music. It's, it's just been a delight to have this linguistic, cultural, journey around the world with you today. Thank you. Well, you know, I want to uh, really underline the fact. First of all, I want to say something um, to whomever is listening to this, that there are people in your life that will make everything possible for you to be underlined. They will make you feel, feel important, like you underline a passage in a book that really matters to you. And some people will do everything they can to erase you. So the one thing that you have to do is hide within yourself things that will not be erasable, things that will be anchored within you that nobody can actually do anything to erase. And that will be one of your main riches, that you can actually ground this within you and leave it there so that nobody can do anything about it. The other thing that I wanted to say is that everything is art. And as I was saying earlier, um, I've said that before and I've written it for a paper and I actually changed my, my title 
the crop the crap. And really, I mean that there are a lot of things in our lives that we do not need there. And to crop those things is something that we can do to help ourselves so that remain the main uh, object of our life is in the center and um, the focus to remain focused. I think that we have so many, many, many distractions today. And um, there are so many things that we do not need in our life and to crop all these things to be left with the centerpiece is something that really, really matters to a life uh, so that we are uh, left with the main ingredients, just like when we cook. Uh, if it's a lemon dish, we have to have that lemon fresh. It has to be um, the best of lemons. Um, everything has to be accentuated. Um, it's just like the pronunciation of a text. Everything has to be fashioned right. Just like an outfit we put together, a painting we put on the, on the canvas the words we put on the paper, the ingredients we put in the dish, the ingredients that we put in our life are the ones that we choose. And the ones that we didn't choose that are not meant to be there have to be removed. Beautifully said. So cut out the excess and then what you have left, make the most of it and choose the best. Exactly. And you don't need that much to go on. C'est très beau. <laughs> Beautiful. Merci encore. Thank you again, Lana March. Thank you for again. having me. Mm -hmm. And again, Lana's books, I'm not sure if I said it in the beginning, but I love her quote about her books. They are not bound and neither is the author. Mm -hmm. Thank you for giving us so much wisdom, so much time today, and two different languages to boot. <laughs> Thank you. Fantastic. I hope to speak with you soon. You can find Lana on Facebook, Lana March, L-A-N-A-M-A-R-C-H. This will all be in the show notes. Merci for joining us for today's episode. In the show notes, you will find all of the French expressions we shared with you today, a place to sign up for our newsletter so you don't miss a single episode, information about the classes we have, French with Kids and French for Couples, as well as a place to email Pierre, our assistant, with your comments, suggestions, and requests for future episodes. Until then, bonne semaine et au revoir.